afternoon, guys. Comsetter Sports coming back at you once again here on Monday, February the 24th, 2020. This is episode number 58. And today we're going to talk about the Luis Severino forearm injury and how it's going to impact the 2020 New York Yankees. With me, as always, my co-host, Ben Nisman. Benny, how you doing today, buddy? Doing all right, Joe. Thanks for having me on again. This is a potentially gut-wrenching injury for the Yankees. We don't know necessarily what the timetable is, but we know that at least they need to shut him down. We know that it was occurring mostly on the changeup, mm-hmm. more so than the fastball. I mean, we're not pitchers, Joe. We never had to do it, but obviously it's a way that he needs to deliver the ball in some way or another that's affecting him. Now, he basically didn't play last year. Right. And now we already know that Paxton is going to miss an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And Garrett Cole had arguably was the Cy Young last year of the American League. He needs to basically repeat now. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it is just the depth of the New York Yankees. And what are we talking about here? Right. J.A. Happ, Jordan Montgomery. Uh, Loisica, Luis Sessa, and now they really have to count on Jamie uh, Jaime Garcia. Mm-hmm. Is he just a prospect, or is he something more? Now they need him to be more than a prospect. Right. So, uh, I mean, I realize the reasons why the Red Sox needed to move Mookie Betts, and at the same time they were able to get Price's contract off as well. But I, this division that. We could say that still the Yankees for the taking. We can argue there might have been more of the fight if the Red Sox had all their horses going in here. And I still would say that the team can still sustain this, but there's now an argument that they can't. They obviously were able to sustain a lot of injuries last year and be unbelievable, mm-hmm. but it's hard to repeat in those circumstances. Yeah. And pitching, this is key injuries. I mean, Tanaka, he, he's he been a, a solid player for, mm-hmm. since 2014. Right. But, I mean, and on a walk year, you're asking a lot from this guy still. I mean, he's going to give it his all because it's a walk year, but even still, Joe, this is a, this is a big moment for a guy like Cole, to really take the reins and be the guy immediately and have to be exactly what we were talking about off air, like a sub 2.5 ERA, mm-hmm. or it's not considered a good season at this point because there's a lot of holes now and there's a lot of question marks in the rotation. Yeah. Let's go ahead and cover exactly what's going on here. And I've got pulled up here an article by George A. King from the New York Post. And he talks about the two injuries that the Yankees are facing in their rotation with Paxton and Severino. And Severino is the second part of that, but I'm going to read that first. When it comes to Severino, the Yankees can't be optimistic or pessimistic because after two MRIs and a CT scan in the offseason that were clean, the soreness in the right forearm resurfaced this past week when the right-hander threw change-ups like you were mentioning, but not when the fastball or curveball were thrown. Severino's going to New York on Sunday, and we'll have tests there in Columbia Presbyterian Hospital. Um, they're they're looking for any soft tissue injury that may have resurfaced, and they're going to be re- he's going to be receiving that treatment on Sat. He received that treatment on Saturday. 
The question really remains is how bad is this injury and what are we going to see here? You know, this is a guy that I coming into this year, had really high hopes for because you were going to get him at such a discount because of the missed season last year. And he's going to slot in, theoretically, as the two, maybe the three in that rotation, maybe even the four if they put him behind behind Tanaka. And all of a sudden, it's like a shooting gallery in the, in the Yankees' rotation. Paxton goes down, now Severino goes down. And you're left with a broken rotation and a broken team, much like they were in 2019. Now, that team won over 100 games. But do you really expect that same kind of black magic to resurface? And to see guys like Gio Urshela and, and Mike Talkman and Mike Ford and, you know, any one of these pitchers that we're going to dive into here really step forward again and make a run the way that they did last year, getting all the way to the ALCS in Game 7. I don't know. And these are mostly hitters that you mentioned. Right. So uh, we don't know what really the depth is because it hasn't been challenged that much Mm -hmm. yet. And this is the first challenge for this rotation. Yeah. And they can slug their way into a lot of wins, I'm sure, throughout the season. But it's just whether... You know, there's another guy that goes down. Right. Like, is this the year that maybe the elbow gives finally with Tanaka? Mm-hmm. Then, I mean, Jay Happ is 37 years old. I, I realize there are plenty of 37 and beyond that can mm-hmm. pitch a full season. I don't doubt that if he's healthy, but it's still an argument just because there's been a lot of innings on that arm. Right, and you you're know? talking about and a guy who, at age 37... Last year only pitched 160 innings, in 2018 only 177 innings, and in 2017 only 145 innings. So this isn't a guy that eats innings the way you would want from a, at this point, three starter, let alone no. the five starter that he was projected to be when the season started before no, these injuries No, happened. he's good. Th- those numbers are fine for a four or a five. Right. But not as, you know, when you have an important series mm-hmm. against the Red Sox or whomever, mm-hmm. and you want to line up your front three, and you need six or seven innings out of this guy, I don't know if you're necessarily doing it. But again, this three-batter rule, just everything I talk about with you every week, I'm always also thinking, well, the manager might do it this way or that way, and it just kind of changes my thought process. Mm-hmm. So even while we're talking about this, Aaron Boone might be thinking, yeah, but my strategy could be this every game right. and how to go to his pen in this many innings and then this guy, that guy, finish it off with Chapman or Britain or however he wants to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i concerned here, and, and certainly every Yankee fan should be, because if this is going to be a long-term injury for Severino... We saw exactly what that could be last year. Coming off the Tommy John surgery, you know, we were told that he was going to miss half the season. It turned out to be just about the entire season. He got back on the mound for what was it, one start before the playoffs. And that was a good it was a good optic to see him back on the mound and able to perform and playing in the playoffs was a good thing. I think uh, I think Yankee fans could have felt optimistic coming into this year. But if if they come out tomorrow or later this week, and say he's going to miss six weeks. They're going to shut him down for a month and then start to ramp him up toward the start of the season to where he's going to miss, let's say, all of April. I don't think that that's a thing that you really want to feel good about because another setback is just 
kind of what Severino has had the last two years, and that's really not where you want to see that. You know, you want you want to have this guy who was a Cy Young Award candidate, what was it, 2018, 2017? You know, this was this was the bright future of the pitching staff of the New York Yankees, and you just haven't gotten it in the last two years. I don't know if you can rely on this guy anymore. And, I don't know either. Yeah. You know, and I, I just feel like at this point, you got to just hope mm-hmm. that he can get himself back to 100% and nothing less. Right. Because when I heard him speak, he sounded frustrated. And it sounds like he's legitimately aware that it's bothering him. And I, I don't think you want to rush him back at this point. Because now, I mean, another setback, like you said, and then all of a sudden April becomes now we got to wait through May. Right. So off the, your gut right now, who's coming back and pitching for the New York Yankees first? Severino or Paxton? It sounds like it might be Paxton. because, And here's why I say that. Going back to this article from the New York Post, they talk about Paxton increasing his rehab workload following uh, the February 5th procedure that he had. And he could be playing catch within the next 10 days. And they say 10 days would put it at four weeks. It depends on how uh, Paxton responds to the treatments in the next 10 days. Everything is going well, and he feels very optimistic. So if you're telling me that he's going to be playing catch in the next 10 days, but he's still going to miss three to four months, you're still putting it somewhere toward the end of May, early June. Okay. It's not an arm injury. It's a back injury. It's back surgery. If Severino, ultimately it's going to come down to what they find in the next couple of days with Severino's arm, right? If he is going, if he's going to miss extended time, then obviously the answer is Paxton. But if it's a case of, okay, let's re- let him rest. Maybe we can rehab through this. Maybe it's just the way he's gripping the ball. Because, again, we we note that it is only on the changeup and not on the other pitches he's throwing. The curveball is usually the one you're concerned with when it comes to forearm and elbow issues. So the fact that it's not happening with the curveball is, I don't want to say hopeful, but you know what I'm trying to say here. It's not It's not the doom and gloom that you would normally hear. Um, maybe they change the grip on the, on the changeup and he's able to, to, to be pitching without discomfort. If that's the case, then I think you're okay. And I think Severino will be back sometime in April or May, but man, this, if this is a significant setback and he's done some damage internally, this could be, this could be a lost season for him again. Right. So let's say it is. Okay. And let's say we're talking about the mid to worst or best case scenario Mm. with Paxton, how much can this impact the Yankees in 162 games? Like, is they are they in jeopardy of losing the division? Is there enough competition from the Rays and the Blue Jays and maybe even the Red Sox to actually fight for that division? I think from the Rays there is. I don't necessarily believe that the uh, that the Red Sox are going to push them without Mookie Betts or a pitching staff that's that I believe in. The Blue Jays are still very young. I have look, we've said it on this show. I have very little faith in Hunjin Ryu translating from the NL West, a very pitcher friendly division, to the AL East, 
arguably the worst pitchers division in baseball. So I'm not exactly over the moon about them yet. Uh, and the Orioles are a mess. So I still feel like unless something catastrophic happens with their lineup as well, and Aaron Judge is battling some sort of minor issue right now as well. So unless we see, you know, just another slew of guys going down in the lineup and they have to call a bunch of kids up from the minors in order to fill spots. It's the Yankees division to lose, but the Rays are going to give them a run for their money. And it wouldn't shock me if both these guys are down, Paxton and Severino specifically are down for half the year, that the Rays jump out to a decent lead that the Yankees have to overcome in the second half. Right. It's possible. I mean, it's baseball. That's why they have to play the game. So that's right. why we're saying, you know, there is an impact from going like that goes around the entire ball club, around the entire division when Severino is out for an extended period of time, because going into the season, it's a foregone conclusion that the Yankees are taking the East. And I mean, the players, I mean, I realize there's not a ton of Rays fans, but the Rays players care themselves and they think that there's a possibility but when they know that two guys that are very important in the rotation, no less, go down from the rivals, it revs up the team and says, you know what, we got even more of a shot at this thing now. So let's get off to a big lead. Let's get hungry in April and put some pressure on this other team. Right. Because there's, I mean, it's still they can still potentially win the division just based on the numbers. You know. Mm-hmm. So I think you just, I, I, I realize that. In Vegas, probably the odds are now worse for the Yankees, but maybe not so much, right? Yeah, it probably doesn't change too much. Um, Maybe if you're talking World Series uh, odds or or things of that nature, but as far as winning the East or or making the playoffs, it probably doesn't change too much. No, Um, definitely not making the playoffs. Right. Um, as far as as far as what the rotation is going to look like, obviously we know that Garrett Cole is going to be at the top of him. They're going to expect big things out of him. They're going to expect an ERA at or below three. But after that, man, it is a big bunch of question marks. You know, it's 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 Masahiro Tanaka coming off of arguably one of the worst seasons that he's had in a while. 182 innings, a 4.45 ERA, and 11 and nine record. Um, you know, he's he's that's not going to work as your number three. It's certainly not going to work as your number two now, right? Um, right. I'm saying, like, yeah. let's say one of them comes back, but right. like, right? I mean, now he's got to be a two, but like, even mm-hmm. if he's your three, that can't that's not going to work, right? Right. And Jay Happ follows him now, and he went 161 and a third with a 491 ERA, did win 12 games last year, but that's more indicative of the offense carrying him than his pitching for performance. Sure. Because a 4-9-1 ERA is just not going to get it done. And then after that, man, that's only three pitchers. You're talking talking Jordan Montgomery is probably now a lock for the rotation on opening day. You know, and this is a guy who, at his best, started 29 games in 2017, pitched 150 innings to a 3-8-8 ERA. If you can get that, that's great. But is that what he is? Or have hitters figured him out? Because... Over the last two years, he hasn't been all that great and hasn't pitched very much. Um, Loizaga is there. He's only 25 yeah, yeah, years old. he hasn't old. pitched very much. It's just like you said. So yep. why am I going to assume that he can just have a full season again? Right. It's been a while. And Loizaga is the same way, right? He's he he's pitched a grand total of 24 games in the last two years. 
you know, and only started eight of them and has an ERA of 4.79 over those last two years. That's not going to get it done. And then the third option might be their their young their young prospect, Davey Garcia, that you mentioned. But his last year in the minors at 20 years old, he pitched to a 4.28 ERA across three different levels. By the way, I said Jaime Garcia you did. or Jamie Garcia. Yeah. <laughs> Just to, not the uh, not the former uh, Cardinals prospect. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And Yankee, by the way. Yes, yes. So the question remains, if the Yankees need to go out and get an arm in order to hold them over, where do they look? And I've got here in front of me a list of remaining free agent pitchers. Uh, we talked about one off air that isn't even on this list in Matt Harvey. If you really want to go down that road, maybe you bring the Dark Knight back to New York and hope that you can get something out of him for a couple of months to hold you over. I don't know about that option, but there is a guy who has pitched in New York and has been fairly serviceable in Jason Vargas out there. What do you think about that? I don't know. I think if he wants, if I mean... It's another guy that's almost 37 years old. Mm-hmm. You might as well at this point, I guess. I, I just, again, I don't know what Jordan Montgomery, on fantasy day, you now you're thinking about Jordan Montgomery more, but even still, like, is that a waste of a pick? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you're just not, you haven't seen it in so long. Same thing with Lawizaka. Mm-hmm. It's so weird that they're going in with this type of rotation. And I guess the bullpen guys like Adovino, they become more valuable. They're going to be needed to be used more and more now. Right. I, I, I would think that there's really just got to be a system now on how you structure how you're using your pitchers every single day yeah. to get you through nine innings. Mm-hmm. And that might get exhausting over a 162-game season if a guy like Montgomery struggles. Uh-huh. I, it doesn't seem like a guy – can Sessa really be in the rotation? So it seems almost outrageous to try, but yeah. I guess. You've you got to try something here. There's a name on this list, though, that really intrigues me. It's a name by the it's, it's a gentleman by the name of Danny Salazar. Now, we've seen what Danny Salazar can do when he was in Cleveland, when he was healthy. You know, a 14-10 record, a 3-4-5 ERA and 30 starts back in 2015. But he has been injury-laden, missed all of 2018, missed all but one game in 2019 where he pitched only four innings, and it wasn't a very good start. I remember watching every pitch of Salazar's start there, and it wasn't it wasn't impressive. Maybe with a full, healthy offseason, he's able to get some of that arm strength back, and we see what he's capable of. He's still out there on the free agent market, and he's only 30 years old. Maybe you take a flyer on this guy and you add him to the rotation as your five starter and hope for the best. And maybe you hope some of that Yankee black magic rubs off and you get something out of this guy. Yeah, he costs probably a million most. Yeah, yeah. you know, million, million and a half. You know, and right. if it's not, if it doesn't work out, okay. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. You know. But you don't lose that much by trying, especially because the age is attractive. Right, right. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, any of these at this point. I mean, you could throw any name out there that's available that wants a chance. Mm -hmm. Because right now, the depth is critical. Because one more loss, one more injury, what position are you in then? You know, it's... Right. You don't... You don't want to be exhausting, even if you can win the division. What do you got left when you get to October? Right. So it's just, you don't want to be doing that. You need your starters to get you six or seven once in a while, mm-hmm. you know, and and not just one or two guys doing it. You just, you can't go through a whole season that way. So yeah. um, I think at this point, you're right. If not uh, before the season starts, got to get someone at the deadline right try try to do it that way just to because again you're this three batter rule thing you know if it's just going to be a guy has to pitch every other day maybe a guy isn't used to doing that and you exhaust him or take him out of what he's comfortable doing when he was successful we're going to really test relievers in doing things that they weren't necessarily used to doing which was get the batters that they needed to get and then get out of the game. Now they have to pitch longer than usual. So it's just going to put more stress on all of these arms and someone's going to need to take the load off. Right. So um, if it's a Davey Garcia, if this guy really can be more than just a prospect, that would be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't expect it at this point. Right. And I can't expect anything from Jordan Montgomery, but Yankees fans, they might have to because I don't okay, in your opinion what's your what's your guess on when does Paxton come back? When does Severino come back? Well, Paxton's slated to come back either late May or early June, so we're talking, you know Okay, so even still then he's missing 20% of, or 30% of the season, right. right? At least. Right. I mean, you're talking okay. three to four months and that start, the clock started beginning of February. So you're talking all okay. of February, all of March, all of April, all of May. That's four okay. months. Okay, fair to say at least a month and a half. If, he, if we're lucky, he comes back before the end of May. Right. I think the optimistic spot is going to be Mother's Day. I think if he can get back somewhere around there, the Yankees will be thrilled. But if it has to extend into June, uh, I, I guess you have to live with that. If it extends beyond that and you get to Father's Day, you're looking pretty bad. So, I mean, as far as Severino is concerned, I mean, that could be anything from 10 days to six months. Who knows? Right. You know, right. that's still up in the air. We're going to have to wait on that one, and we'll see what happens. In unrelated news and just some stuff I want to get out here before we wrap this one, the Padres went ahead and signed a uh, minor league deal with Brian Dozier. Uh, They brought him into camp. It's going to be a $2.2 million deal if he makes the roster. Uh, Thoughts on Brian Dozier finally getting a landing spot? Yeah, I think if he makes the team, and he should, it's just good veteran presence to have. Right. Can spell certain guys when they need a day off. Yeah, absolutely. Why? And especially, you know, it could be like a team that contends. Who knows? Right, right. A uh, couple of other minor news here. Uh, the Red Sox brought in Jonathan LaCroix and Kevin Pillar. I don't know that we've hit on that one yet, but Pillar looks like to be the guy that's going to replace Mookie Betts for this year anyway. Uh, thoughts? Right. Yeah, I, Pillar always felt to me like a, um, he's just going to be a defensive wizard. Mm-hmm. But 
not necessarily spectacular with the bat, but serviceable enough. Uh, I obviously not going to replace Mookie Betts. It's no. ridiculous. But if you had him and you had a Verdugo, what's the deal with Verdugo? Is he not going to make uh, So Verdugo quite... has a stress fracture in his back, and they're working through that. Uh, it's questionable whether he's going to be on the opening day roster. Okay, so then questionable whether he'll be, you know, even healthy enough to get there by May? Yeah, I mean... You know? They knew about this injury before they traded for him, right? So it's not like they're they're shocked oh, about really? this. Oh, really? Yeah. It's not like they're shocked about it. It's something that he's going to work through. And, you know, let me let me see exactly what the most recent statement was. But um, his back injury is not anything that was too surprising. Um, they're saying that he's ahead of schedule per yesterday's update on... Uh, Mass Line, which is Mass Live, which is a uh, Massachusetts-based Red Sox outlet. Um, give me just a here we go. Uh, his is he's still unlikely to be ready for opening day, but is progressing quicker than trainers would have expected. Uh, he's been completing some running drills, but has not started fielding or hitting. He's putting a little bit more effort into it, uh, Ron Ranicki said, so they're happy. He's a little farther along than they had thought, so anytime you hear that, they feel like they can push him a little bit more. But they don't know when he's going to be able to to be on the field for workouts or exhibition games. So you're probably going to miss about a month, I would imagine, with this. Okay. So how much did they spend on Lucroy and Pilar? So Lucroy is in on... A $1.5 million base salary if he makes the roster. You have to remember, they've got Vasquez in place. They have Kevin Plowecki there as well. So Lucroy has to make the team in some capacity. Kevin Plowecki? Yeah. I do not think he is going to beat Lucroy for that job, that backup job. Unless it's really all about the... And Lucroy is awesome with other pitchers. Mm -hmm. And he plays a good defensive game. So... I'm just saying right now he is going to make the team. Okay. But go ahead. And then the Red Sox uh, agreed with Pilar one year, $4.25 million. It is a major league offer, so he will be on the team. Um, so that basically sets your outfield of Benintendi, Jackie Bradley, Kevin Pilar, and then when Verdugo is healthy, I would imagine Pilar takes over in center field primarily and they move Jackie Bradley to the bench. Um, yeah. It's a good defensive outfield. It is a very good defensive outfield. And you bring Jackie Bradley in late, you can move Pilar to one of the corner outfielders. I would imagine right field to, to spell Verdugo would be the answer there. Um, and the thing about Pilar is he had a really nice season last year. 21 homers, 88 RBIs, a 260 batting average from primarily San Francisco. Um, yeah. Did, no, that is a good year. Yeah. It's certainly better numbers than I, I thought, you know. But that must have been the best season he's ever had. By far and away. By far and away. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he he never had more than 60 RBIs. He had 88 last year. Never hit more than 16 home runs. Hit 28 last year. Uh, scored the batting eight, average. 259 is right in line. He's a career 261 hitter. So that's right in line. His on-base percentage isn't fantastic either because he doesn't walk very much. But... I mean, for a guy who's going to hit probably in the bottom third of your lineup in most instances, I think you can live with that if he's going to bomb you 20, 20 homers. Yeah, if they're in a timely fashion, for sure. 
And if he's going to give you the kind of defense that he gives you every year. Right. Right. Is it worth $4 million? I don't know. But, I mean, uh, you're paying on his best season. Right. And you're making your outfield defense look like there's basically no space to get it in there. You know, right. it's just, it's automatically going to find leather no matter where they hit it. So, they can, this, this group can go out and get him with their wheels. And I think that that was the reason probably that they got him more so than the bat because, I mean, uh, I, I certainly can't expect 21 home runs. How many doubles did he have? Uh, I just closed the window. I believe it was somewhere. <laughs> I believe it was somewhere around like 30. Uh, okay. 37, as a matter of fact. 37 doubles last year. 37 doubles? Yeah, so in, a, in a really, in a really pitcher-friendly a park in San Francisco, I could see that number going up. You know, the fact that the fact that he was playing in San Francisco and put up these numbers is pretty impressive. You yeah. know, less than 100 strikeouts every single year he's been in the majors. So he does have a decent eye wow. and, and ability to get back to ball. So, Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right, I'll give it to him. It's not a, it's certainly an, a potential under-the-radar signing. Right. Especially because of how good it makes their defense. Right. And their, their lineup gets a little bit longer as well by putting him at, towards the bottom. And um, yeah, I mean, you got to do whatever you can at this point. Their their rotation um, leaves a lot to be desired, I think. But um, I hope I hope Eduardo Rodriguez can actually um, you know repeat that. I hope that Sale can bounce back. Mm-hmm. And for the Red Sox fans, I hope it's not just like a dismal year just because they moved a you know a franchise type player. Right. Right. Uh, the final thing I'll leave you guys with as sort of a cliffhanger, the Padres and, and Red Sox are still talking about this Will Myers trade, and there's talks of involving the Cleveland Indians, there's talks of involving the Cincinnati Reds. Names that are bouncing around here involve guys like Francisco Lindor, uh, Nick Senzel, and uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. specifically. Um, nothing is set in stone, obviously. There hasn't been an update in about five days. And with spring training now underway and games being played, I just don't think that that's something that's going to come to fruition now. But it's something to look forward to toward July's trade deadline. That perhaps the the Padres, if they're in a race for a wild card, will try to move Will Myers and bring in something that they need for the future. I don't know. I don't know if that necessarily would be the case if they actually are going on a run and he's a reason why. Right. I mean, if he's going to be hitting home runs and winning them ball games and then they're going on a run, they're not going to all of a sudden trade this guy. Right. They're going to say, this is what we bought into and in making this guy a long-term Padre. So it's really going to be contingent on what the team is doing and his performance as well. Agreed. If he's having a pedestrian-type year, then maybe, yep. you know, but he was rookie of the year. I mean, he's certainly better than the stats he put up yes last year. I, I think so. I mean, he's only a 251 career hitter. He had a down year last year with a 239. The homer numbers have been down. He needs to stay healthy. That's the one thing that I'm really hoping he does because he hasn't cracked, you know, 450 at bats in the last two years. But when he has in 2016 and 2017 you're talking about a guy who hit 28 and 30 homers and 20 and 28 steals like he's got this upside he just needs to stay healthy right yeah well that's that remains to be seen right right benji this has been a great show and i look forward to our next one which guys the astro show is coming 
It's coming. I promise. Thanks for being yep. here today, Benji. Oh, thanks for having me on as always, man. Uh, looking forward to doing more with you soon. Uh, spring training ha- is upon us and um, opening day is around the corner. So obviously there's a lot to be excited about. And unfortunately, the injuries, we know they're going to happen at some mm-hmm. point. But uh, hopefully everyone can just get their at-bats, get their work in, and get the hell out of those spring training games. Right. No one gets hurt, and we got everybody going into opening day. You got it. You got it. Guys, if you're listening to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or Anchor, thank you so much for being here. Go ahead and share this with all of your friends. You know baseball season's coming and people are starting to get excited about it. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you so much for being here. Go ahead and give us a subscription. That button's going to be right here. And check out our last episode. That one's going to be right here. Follow us on Twitter at ComCTRSports. And until next time, it's been real, it's been fun, and it's always real fun in the bigs. We'll see you next time.